0: And thank you once again for tuning into the Reptile Living Room. I'm your host, John F. Taylor. And tonight, as always, we are brought to you by Marcia McGinnis from Golden Gate Geckos. If you ever need anything as far as captive uh, care requirements of leopard geckos, fat African fat tails, the nefarious species, as well as the Colionic species, or just anything gecko-related at all, really, uh, check Marsha out. She's a wonderful lady, always there to help. Once again, it's uh, Marsha McGinnis from GoldenGeckos.com. And in tonight's interview, we uh, get to sit down with Tyler Stewart from TortoiseSupply.com. He also uh, runs the show out in Vegas. Uh, Go to uh, GetReptiles.com, check out the uh, Vegas show. It's an awesome show. We were there last year. That's how we actually met Tyler and his partner, Joe. So uh, without further ado, let's uh, talk to Tyler Stewart about turtles, tortoises, and uh, reptiles in general. Here's Tyler. So tonight uh, we're speaking with Tyler Stewart from TaurusSupply.com. Basically, Tyler, I guess the best way, to, uh, best way to start is how did you start in reptiles at all?
1: Well, I, you know, as a kid, I spent the majority of my afternoons out in the deserts chasing around lizards and different things, and uh, I just would bring them home in five-gallon buckets, and you know, I was probably six and eight and ten doing this, and kind of through collecting the different types, you started learning about different things, what different ones to eat eat. You know, we ended up, we couldn't really get crickets at the time, so we'd have to go out and catch grasshoppers. And,
0: oh, wow, okay. And
1: really do things the hard way. But <laughs> it's uh, That's how it all kind of got in my head, and it's just gone ever since, pretty much.
0: Nice, nice. And what made you go the route of turtles and tortoises, or tortoises,
1: rather? Um, a lot of it was just, Part of it was just that I like the bigger reptiles. I like the ones that I can keep outside in our climate. Okay. Which is a big part of the problem with Las Vegas is that it's hot enough and kind of cold enough, too, that you have to get certain things. Only certain things can go all year here.
0: Right, right.
1: That's a big part of the motivation. Besides just, I think there's cool animals and they're friendly animals and easy to care for. I like the vegetarian aspect. Okay. It's easy to feed. Yeah, very true.
0: And uh, now you do keep uh, Aldabra tortoises and the Galapagos as
1: well. Not the Galops. I've had some Aldabras and okay. uh, not. I don't have. I've, I've never had the Galapagos. Oh, okay. All right.
0: And uh, now, what types of uh, tortoises are you breeding now nowadays?
1: Um, we've got a lot. We've got. Uh, I probably have to find a list real quick because I know <laughs> most of them. Um, I mean, we do like. A lot of it is the sulcatas. We do redfoots. We do leopard tortoises. Mm -hmm. Um, We do some like mountain tortoises, the Asian ones. We do cherry heads, redfoots, I think I said. Right. Um, We've got a pretty good elongated tortoise group. Oh, okay. Uh, We've got all the testudo types like the Hermans, Russians, Greeks. There's a few different types of Greeks that we have, different localities. Right, right. We've got leopard stars. We've got a couple pancakes. Um. Yeah, pancakes. My favorite. <laughs> yeah, they're they're different. They're interesting little guys. Yeah, they are. But pretty much anything that's a common species, we we have okay. in some of them out. Some more than others, but right. have got you know my big thing with it is the variety. I like having if there's something out there that I don't have, I, I like to at least get a couple of them and get you know a lot of kind of tortoise guys or whatever. We'll just have like three or four or five species. But
0: right, right. Even I if I don't think I that. Can,
1: yeah, and even if I don't think I can breed something, I like to have it.
0: Oh, okay. And so. how many different species are you currently
1: breeding right now? Um, well, I've successfully hatched, and trying to breed are kind of different things. I mean, we've had probably like eight that we're kind of producing mm-hmm. pretty regularly, and there's probably like another five that we're either close to or have only got, you know, one or two babies out of, you know, a okay. random lucky hatch. and. A lot of it has to do with our climate. Kind of makes certain types hard. Oh, really? We have to have to adapt to make them, and that's things. I think we're doing some new setups in the next year or two. Mm -hmm. I mean, even this summer, we're building like a little greenhouse for certain things and stuff like that. Will help with the ones that we're struggling with.
0: Okay, and and you mentioned the climate is uh, a major part of that Uh, because you keep some uh, some tropical tortoises, correct?
1: Yeah, and that's the problem is that the tropical ones, if they're not kept humid enough, right. they won't do as well. They won't be real active. A lot of times they kind of just go in a corner and fall asleep and their eyes get dry and all that. But okay. if you can keep them real wet and real humid, mm-hmm. it helps with all that. Okay. So when we kind of do that just with a lot of sprinkling here and misting and all that. But if you could really set them up in you know, like a greenhouse uh-huh. um, where you could control temperatures, and it's not cheap to do that here, but you can do it. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're <laughs> starting to To work more on. (laughs) Wow. And uh,
0: so what was the first species of reptile that you
1: kept uh, growing up? Um, The ones I really liked the first was probably leopard lizards.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: Yeah, we used to catch those. Um, It's kind of sick now, but uh, at the time we liked them because they ate other lizards and (laughs) we would, (laughs) so we'd catch them and I remember it scared us because we had one, and we had a hard time getting a second one, we were just little kids, you know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. We finally got a second one, we put them together, and they started, like, attacking each other, and it kind of traumatized us. And <laughs> we ended up, like, tipping the cage over and letting one run away just because we didn't want them to die. And right, right. But, yeah, that was one that we were having to go catch the food and catch. You know, we would basically throw rocks at grasshoppers till we could kill them and take them home. and kind of tease the leopard lizard with them, and he would eat them. And wow. Yeah, we had a pretty good little group of those, though. We got some desert iguanas. We had some chuckwallas. Oh, nice. Um, all the stuff, you know, we catch out west of Las Vegas. Right, right.
0: Now, um, what what made you choose, uh, the speci- or what has you choose specific species of tortoises versus one over the other? Like, why did you choose the uh, solcadas
1: over the Galapagos? Well, certain ones like the Galapagos and like the radiators have Mm -hmm. a lot of regulation on them, a lot of rules. You can't just really go buy one unless you find one within your state, which is pretty hard to do in Nevada.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, There's a permit you can get that I've actually applied for, but it's it's a couple-month process to get it. Oh, okay. I really, more than the Galapagos I have my eye on the radiators. Oh, really? Okay. Um, The galops are just besides being massive, it's not something I think is really a smart thing to invest in with the intent of breeding. I think it's just such a long-term, I mean, to buy, like, full-on adults, mm-hmm. you'd have a better shot of breeding, but you'd spend $100,000 doing it.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: I think, you know, I'd rather spend the money on, like, a radiator that I had a, a more legitimate chance of actually producing.
0: Right, right. Because you've produced uh, some of the giant, tor- well... I mean, I still consider them giants, but I know most people don't. But the uh, socotas, you're
1: uh, producing those. Yeah, it? we are producing them, and we get. Yeah, we get pretty good, and they'll hatch out of the ground here. So even if you don't,
0: oh my gosh,
1: actively like incubate them, you'll get some. I think we you, you lose probably I don't know roughly half if you don't dig them up. Oh okay. Because we had some like where we go out of town, and I knew a girl was going to lay and. She'd be, like, digging test holes as we're leaving town. and like, yeah, come on, come on, come on. And she would lay while we were out of town. And oh, just, of course. <laughs> just never, you can't find them. Yeah, exactly. So, stuff like that, though. Sometimes we'll just find random babies. You know, and a lot of different species are that way. You'll just find them.
0: Really? You
1: know, wandering around, but mostly the desert types. Oh, my God. That's amazing. So you're just down in the backyard one day and you, you know, oh, hey, look, there's a baby. <laughs> well, yeah, and you, you get into little nicks and crannies. You know, you pull up a bush or something. And oh, my God. <laughs> you'll find little, you know, babies hiding in there and lift up an old piece of wood that's been laying there for six months, and there's over right. the whole place. <laughs> it's fun. And they wow. do well outside. I mean, surprisingly, right out of the egg. Really? Salcettas especially. As long as they have, like, some grass, a little bit of sprinklers to make puddles and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, they, they, do, they do as well loose in the adult pen as they do kept you know indoors artificially wow.
0: that's amazing now um tell our listeners a little bit about how you have your setups um as far as backyard and you know that kind of thing
1: yeah well most of it is is here in our backyard um most of the walls i just use wood to build uh we use a lot of like two by twelves and we stack them two or three high you know bury them down underground it kind of depends on the species some of them will try and dig out and others won't oh okay so some, like leopards and redfoots and stuff, you don't really have to bury much because they just don't really make the effort. They're not a
0: big digger, okay.
1: Yeah, they'll just kind of, you know, and, and even a even climber, they don't really climb a whole lot. Okay. But you'll get stuff like Russians and pancakes that'll climb, you know, vertical almost. Right, right. So you got to be kind of careful with those and put little, like, lips on the top <laughs> and keep them. So if they get up, they have to go, like, upside down to get out, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So... But yeah, most of the, the walls are wood. Most of the pens have grass in them. They all have sprinklers. Mm-hmm. Um, the structure and the, you know, the furniture kind of depends on the species.
0: Right, Where
1: right. the is, you know, it's mostly just grass and, like, clump grasses. And we've got some fruit trees and stuff um, where, the like, the pancakes are kind of a rock pile. And that's that's what they prefer. Right, right. So, and then the forest ones are just a lot more, you know, palm trees and... Uh, we use a lot of, like, hibiscus and stuff like that with them.
0: Oh, okay.
1: It's A lot of it's under shade, too, in the summer. It's mostly under shade. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Shade cloth. Right, right. And these are all out in your backyard? Uh, most of them. We've got some stuff, like, in my parents' house. They have this big side yard that we've kind of taken over. And then we have <laughs> some land that we're kind of slowly transitioning things over to.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Um, we're getting it, getting it surveyed in you know, about a week and a half. So that'll give us, you know, the definite borders. We are going to start on the wall, but then I kind of decided I ought to get it surveyed first, so. Right, right. To make sure we're, we're exactly on our lines and all that. Exactly. And we'll, you know, in the next year, we'll have a lot of stuff out there. Oh, wow. That's awesome. It's just a couple miles away. I can go out there pretty much daily without any hassle. Oh, very nice.
0: Now, um, as far as breeding is concerned, um, in the sulcata's. Do they just go by natural temperatures or do you build, do you actually build like hot boxes out back or?
1: Yeah. In the winter we have heated boxes. The sulcatas, the bigger sulcatas, you have to build them pretty sturdy.
0: Yeah. I was going to um,
1: say. I and mean, ours are made out of concrete block. Oh my gosh. I poured like a footing and, you know, build the block. It's, you know, for, oh, okay. for like a medium group. I think our box like, they're like 12 by four feet. Wow. And, uh, they're like two feet high, big wood lid that kind of has a slope on it so water doesn't puddle. Mm-hmm. And then uh, some of them we use red bulbs in, some we use the cane heat mats. Okay. It kind of depends on the species and the size of the box and the shape. And, mm-hmm. But, yeah, they do that. And then usually by about March, you don't really need to heat them anymore. Right. And once the daytimes are in the 70s, you're pretty much good to go. So we turn it off and... Uh, I mean, they like the heat, so once the summer's here, you don't have to do much besides provide shade and water. Right, right. Now,
0: what would you say um, is the most satisfying element of your work with the tortoises and stuff like that?
1: I think it's probably just the... just being able to go out outside and relax with them. I mean, I know that's kind of something like an old man would say, but... No, I, uh, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I really enjoy just... Like, I'll be chatting on the phone with a buddy of mine or something, I'll just go sit in the backyard and be surrounded by tortoises, you know, a different species in every direction. It's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, that would be cool. You know, and i got to tell you, I've seen a couple photographs on the website, and just for our listeners, once again, it's uh, if You definitely want to check this website out. I've seen some of the hatchlings that you've taken pictures of Uh uh, as they're coming out of the egg. That's got to be, I mean, to me, it's better than a snake coming out of the egg. I mean, to see that little tortoise, you know, breaking through, that's just it. Got to be the most awesome thing to ever see in your life. <laughs> it is,
1: and it's it's neat. It's neat because, like, I've hatched, you know hundreds of chameleons, and I've done a lot of this other stuff like that. But right. tortoises are just different. I mean, they're, it's like a little old man sticking his head out. You exactly,
0: know? exactly.
1: And it's it's <clears throat> interesting because they're hard eggs too. Where I'm, I'm kind of I've always incubated like the leathery eggs, like lizard eggs. Right. Um. It's kind of cool to see them actually crack and come out like a chicken almost.
0: Oh really? I mean oh, they wow. come out, I didn't out like I a hard egg. Hard.
1: Yeah, they're just like a chicken egg. Oh my gosh! So they crack out and there's little egg pieces all over and they're about you <laughs> know like they're about the size of a ping pong ball. A lot of the other ones are a little smaller. Oh, gosh. But uh, they are pretty cool, especially when you get something you're not really planning on like we had some albinos last year that just hatched randomly i was just about to ask you that
0: um as far as the morphs are considered um and the albinos that was just a random act of whatever happened
1: it was totally random we uh (sighs) we just you know i I just assumed it was a normal clutch and i had it was the female i've had for several years and then i got a newer male that i put her with and they were apparently Mm -hmm. were both pet for that right and uh and, yeah, I mean, eight, only eight eggs hatched, and two of them were albino. So. Oh.
0: Now, uh, there's a significant price difference in the more, uh, when you do get albino uh, sulcatas. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. And if, and if our listeners want prices, you know, I'm not going to ask you to quote prices here on the show, but, you know, <laughs> they're all on the website if you guys want to go check that out.
1: Yep. Yeah, the albinos were, were very, very high, and we got what we hoped to get for them, so...
0: Oh, and they're already gone.
1: Yeah, they sold a couple months ago.
0: Oh, wow, that's awesome.
1: I would have loved to have seen those. Yeah, and we got some pictures. We had them on our. We have a Facebook page that has a lot of that stuff on it. We had them on at the time. And
0: Right. Now, in your opinion, what would you say is the hardest part about being successful in the reptile industry as a breeder?
1: I think the hardest part, and I think the thing that a lot of people do that almost, it doesn't really stunt them, but it kind of prevents them from excelling is... They will they'll kind of build up a name for themselves a little too fast, and they end up not having the animals available. You know, you can make a big name for yourself, but then if you don't have something to sell, right, you're kind of just lingering there. Mm-hmm. And it, particularly when people start just buying and kind of reselling and buying and reselling, right, right, you get kind of to the point. It's hard to make money that way long term. Right, it can kind of be a stepping stone, but Mm-hmm. You need to really put the emphasis on producing something, right? And I right. mean, a lot—even you know, a lot of the major people still buy and sell stuff, and I, you know, I do too to an extent. Sure, but you—that you, you got to put the focus on your own production,
0: because mm-hmm.
1: then when you're selling something, it's actually the money you can then spend on the next step up in whatever you're trying to do, right? Instead right. of making a percentage or whatever.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Now, what would you say um, as far as looking, you know, in the next, say, five to ten years, what do you see the industry doing, and uh, what is what's what's the future hold for the
1: industry, uh, not just for the industry, but yourself as well? Where do you where do you see everything going? I mean, my for the industry, my concern, I think everyone's concern, is what they're going to end up doing with the big snakes. Right. Um, I mean, it's pretty ridiculous that right now they have nothing better to do than pick on people with a big snake when nothing else in the government is functional. Right. Um, You just think, I mean, really, more kids fall into aquariums and drown than are even nearly touched by snakes. Right. And if that's their excuse, you know, why are they not banning fish tanks or something, you know? Right. it's, It's kind of dumb that they're approaching it that way. Right. I hear you. But... I mean, and, and it's it's to a degree, a, a lot of it is going to depend on what happens with kind of the animal rights groups, Mm-hmm. they're really the biggest threat to this industry. I don't think there's ever going to be, a, you know, not much of a demand for what we're doing. Right. Because every, I mean, what little kid doesn't want a snake or a lizard or a frog or whatever? Right, right. It's so really the biggest problem in hesitation that I sometimes get with moving forward on a big idea or whatever is, mm-hmm. you know, in five years is this even going to be able to be sold or to be able to do this? And right. I, I kind of doubt anything significant will happen in the next five years, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it seems just the course of nature and over the course of history and time you can see, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, it wouldn't really shock me if things like that happen. Right, right. Just hopefully... You know, it's the least damaging that it's going to be.
0: hmm Now, what are some of the uh, biggest risks that you would say um, if someone came to you as a, you know, potential breeder or potential um, dealer in reptile products? What would you say is the biggest risk getting involved in the industry?
1: Um, Biggest risk probably is spending, you know, too much money on something that you... I mean, really, the biggest risk is letting an expensive animal die, or an, an animal that's key to your, to what you're trying to do,
0: mm-hmm.
1: get sick and die, or something like that. Okay. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people that, that, spend money and have a thermostat go haywire and, and kill something. And I mean, we've had we've had eggs that were incubating that, kind of that's what happened to. They got too hot and. Oh wow. From a bad probe. But, yeah, I mean, risks. I think if you, you know, if somehow you came across a bunch of money and spent it on a pair of something that you somehow screwed up or, you know, whether it was your fault or not. Right. That would be not good.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And what are some of the major uh, changes you've seen in the industry
1: on a personal level since you started? Um, a lot of the time that I was doing stuff, like, you know, with the lizards and stuff, I wasn't really keeping up with the industry. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, when I was doing, like, the chameleons, they're an animal that that can quickly drop in price, kind of depending on, I mean, really anything that can produce when it's a year old. Right. Something that, I, to me, is kind of a fragile ground. Sure. That was part of my motivation for the tortoises is that it'd be kind of hard for someone to come in and just flood the market with them because, because of the time frames involved. And
0: yeah. You got to grow them
1: out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely. it's a decade, you know, almost between generations. So it's not, right. it's not a quick thing. And that makes it harder to start, which has been hard for me in certain times, but mm-hmm. I think over the long haul, that's a good thing. Right. Right.
0: Now, one of the things that, uh, you do as well, outside of uh, TaurusSupply.com, is you actually uh, host the Las Vegas Reptile Expo. Yes, we do, me and a friend of mine, Joe. Joe, that's right. I'm sorry, I couldn't remember his name to save my life. Just don't tell him that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he'll hear this at some point. (laughs) I'm sorry, Joe. I'm sorry. (laughs) So, how did you guys come about to, uh, you know, bring about the Reptile Show out in Vegas?
1: Well, the the show in Vegas—it was one that we talked about because I've known Joe for a long time. I mean, probably when I was first—I mean, it was probably around maybe 2002 that I Mm met him. Um, He was a chameleon guy, kind of at the same time that I was. He was like a hobbyist. He had a—I think it was in his attic or something—had a bunch of animals. Oh,
0: wow. uh,
1: He—he's a computer guy, and you know, kind of a marketing networking guy. And he kind of got me going on my first website. Oh, okay. And that's kind of how I met him. And just a couple years after that, it was probably, I don't know, 2004, 2005, Mm -hmm. we kind of teased the idea of doing a show in Vegas. I mean, you kind of see the potential for Vegas to be a big show spot.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Um, I mean, you have pretty good access to most of California people coming in. Right. It's a huge, you know, people want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you at least have that helping you. Right. Um, it's really a city that's good with commerce and with, you know, it's not really a pain in the butt to get the permits you need. It's not really a big taxing state. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that Nevada has going for it in that regard. Right, right. And, uh, and then we kind of we kind of just didn't pursue the idea for however long it's been, five or six years now. Right. And then we kind of... We were just talking again maybe two years ago and almost looking for something to do together just for fun and thought, well, let's let's retry this idea. We kind of crunched some numbers and seemed like it was reasonable and we mm-hmm. did the first one last October. Right, right. We were there. We were there. It was all
0: <laughs> a good time. Yeah, it was. It was
1: one hell of a show. <laughs> and yeah. For our listeners,
0: definitely go to this year's, which is in...
1: Uh, March, Bill, if I'm not mistaken, right? we doing one point? in May, May, May. 14th and okay. 15th, okay. and again October 22nd, 23rd. Right.
0: And are they both at the same place?
1: They are at the same place we did last time, yeah. Oh, okay. We'll very probably cool. do a new venue after that. Oh, okay. The venue we really wanted wouldn't let the animals in. Oh, really? But we're going to drag them there kicking and screaming and make them see that it's not a crazy... Uh-huh. You know, we're very professional, we're very secure...
0: Yeah, except for those tortoises running around everywhere, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) The rabid tortoises.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, no, we
1: tried to get them there for that October show, but they they couldn't get there. Oh, really? Check it out, and they're kind of... Oh, man, they missed one hell of a show. Yeah, and I think the venue liked I mean, the venue enjoyed having it, and they really wanted us back, so...
0: Yeah,
1: I can imagine. Yep, and we'll get the same... We got a little more space there that they opened up for us we're going to rearrange a little bit in the next couple of shows but oh cool I think the venue itself was really nice I think the vendors liked it I think the people attending it liked it it's real easy to get in and out of the rooms were cheap
0: yeah I mean everybody I saw there you know whether they uh, were buying or selling they were all had smiles on their faces
1: yeah. and you know <laughs> I mean and there, I think there was a few vendors that kind of didn't do killer but I think a lot of them did really well
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody that I talked to, you know, said that they had a great time, yeah. you know. So, yeah, that's one heck of a venue. Uh, just for our listeners, you know, uh, you can go to uh, getreptiles.com, is that correct?
1: Yep, getreptiles.com. Okay. Yeah,
0: getreptiles.com, and that has all the information for um, hotels and everything you need to know about the shows
1: there. Yep. Now, um, and anyone traveling in, it's only 59 bucks this time for the hotel rooms. <laughs>
0: I mean, how can you beat that? You know, I don't know. <laughs> sixty bucks in a reptile show. I mean, come on.
1: And it's in an, nice room. It's a nice place. Oh yeah, there. yeah, it was Foods a very there. nice hotel. Very nice There's hotel. Twenty restaurants or something there. Yeah, yeah.
0: So. So. Um, now, as far as uh, species that uh, you are looking at, possibly working with in the future, that you haven't worked with, what is there anything on the horizon for you that you're looking at?
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if I get this permit, like, I do I, I do expect to, I'll probably start kind of slowly going into the radiated tortoises.
0: Okay.
1: Um, it's going to be a eight or ten year project, because I would likely just buy babies.
0: Oh, wow, okay.
1: So, I'm not really in a hurry to do anything with them, but it, it's something I want to do at some point, and you got to start sometime, so it might as well be now. Right, right. Um, there's, I mean, there's some other, like, I've got a couple iguanas, and I enjoy the iguanas, some rhinos and cubans and stuff, and... Oh, really? I can see myself kind of doing them on the side. I don't think I'd make a big deal about it. Okay. Um, but I enjoy them, and their diet's kind of the same as the tortoises, so it's easy to do. True, true. i got, the, you know, the space for it on the new place. will be plenty of space.
0: Okay. Now, kind
1: of getting anything I can keep outside most or all of the year is pretty appealing. Right. <laughs> there you go. Now, uh,
0: one question I always ask all of our guests. If money was no object and you had all the time in the world and basically everything that you needed, what would be the ultimate reptile species that you would keep if you could? Um,
1: If I could, I would. I think I would enjoy something like a komodo dragon. Oh, okay. I mean, I like the ruggedness of them. I like the size. Yeah. I really like the bigger reptiles. I'm not really a snake guy. Okay. Um, But something like that would be cool. I mean, the the giant tortoises, the galops, it'd be cool to have a herd of those running around. Yeah. (laughs) I just don't, yeah, it's, in my current position, it's not a real reasonable thing. realistic idea. Right, right. But if you had the money and had the space and the time and the resources, I think that'd be awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. So next time you see a sea tire, look out for the uh, Komodo dragons and the herd of galops running around his
1: backyard. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it in the crate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. And uh, now, also, too, uh, something I want my listeners to know is you actually sell tortoise products
1: via your yeah. website
0: as well—not just tortoises, but the actual products to take care of the animal as well.
1: Yeah, and that's something that we we pretty much didn't do until about a year ago. Okay, I've always just been a a breeder you know we did the chameleons that's all we sold was chameleons and then oh, okay. we started doing the tortoises and i just did only tortoises but you have a lot of people that i end up then sending other places to get all this stuff and it was right it's a, it's kind of a hard thing to keep you know constantly sending people to other places right when you could pretty easily be just doing it yourself exactly exactly yeah we've you know in the in the past year or so we've pretty much stocked up a full line mhm of you know all the lighting you could you could want all the fixtures all the you know the main tortoise and we're kind of tortoise specific we don't carry like iguana food we don't carry you know frozen mice right and anything that we would use here or that we could use on a tortoise we pretty much have right right and we have the, you so know, like,
0: when you guys sell something you're selling it from experience not
1: for a paycheck <laughs> yeah we sell the stuff that we use all the time right exactly yeah I mean, we, and we have some you know like the cactus pads and we have alfalfa cubes that are you know, stuff that's not real common in the industry. Right, right. You know, the cactus we grow here now, we you know, it took a long time to get that going, but we finally got it going. And Nice. That's something that works well with tortoises, and it's cheap, and it's nutritionally perfect for them, so. Oh, okay. Things like that.
0: Very nice. Now, uh, <clears throat> just in closing, give us a brief overview of what's involved in a day of uh, tortoisesupply.com.
1: A typical day here, I mean, I, I still work a normal job. So I, oh, I'm man. gone between. <laughs> that's horrible. I'm gone.
0: What <laughs> was that? Just, I said that's horrible. You're not supposed to work a normal job. Yeah, no a play kidding. with tortoises all
1: day. <laughs> and I'm not that confident in this yet. <laughs> so. No, but I, you know, I'm gone most of the day during the day. But my wife is here. She's kind of just a full-time mom, and she, she does a lot of the, the daily routine with the tortoises. Um, I usually get home by about three or four. Mm-hmm. I'll immediately go out and, you know, I feed all the big guys out back. I kind of, that's usually when the egg laying is going on anyways in the afternoon. Oh, okay. So I go home. I kind of check on all that. I, you know, then I'll go out. We have a room in our garage that's kind of a baby tortoise room. Oh, okay. It's all, you know, temperature controlled and everything. And Right, right. So I go out there and work usually a couple hours in there soaking babies and cleaning pens. and um, Then usually come in, you know, eat dinner, and then I usually pack up shipments last thing of the day
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, depending how many there is or whatever i do that kind of right before bed oh okay and then uh get up in the morning take it all i take the shipments with me in the morning oh and, okay uh, and they go out that afternoon from my work oh very cool so that way i don't have to pack them up and have them sit in the box all. i mean they come to pick up like at 4 p.m i put them in the boxes at 3 p.m and
0: oh nice
1: there so they're not in very long works out very well then yep
0: All right. Well, fantastic, man. And uh, once again, just for our listeners, uh, it's tortoisesupply.com. If you want to get in contact with Tyler for anything (laughs) tortoise-related, tortoisesupply.com. That's it. And for the reptile show that that, uh, Tyler and Joe uh, co-host together out in the Vegas area, and I mean... That do you really need the reason, you know, to go to Vegas? Yeah, that just you know, makes it mean, a tax write off for a lot of people. You know, exactly. <laughs> Call it a tax write off. It was yeah.
1: entertainment. Come on. It's business, it's fun, it's everything.
0: Exactly.
1: So Social Get Together.
0: There you go. There you go, Social Get Together. And the first one is coming up here real quick, that's in May.
1: Yep, May fourteenth and fifteenth. It's three months away.
0: Yeah, so May fourteenth and fifteenth and the second one is o- in October. And what dates are those set on?
1: Twenty 22nd
0: and 23rd. 22nd and 23rd of October. So there you go. you got two chances to go to a reptile show in Las Vegas. You don't need any more excuses to go to Las Vegas. Now there's a reptile show there to get you there. That's right. So. <laughs> no cost. For that, and for that there website, you... it's getreptiles.com.
1: Yeah, getreptiles.com.
0: Gotcha. And, of course, once again, thank you, our listeners, for tuning in to the Reptile Living Room's interview with an expert. That was Tyler Stewart talking to us today from supply.com. Uh, check them out uh, check out also the uh, getreptiles.com website for the Las Vegas show and hopefully we'll see you there this year it's, uh, there's really no excuse I mean what, what other excuse do you need to go to Vegas besides a reptile show and it being Las Vegas and of course as always we are brought to you once again by the wonderful Marsha McGinnis from Golden Gate Geckos for the finest in captive leopard African fat tail and choliatic species Give her a tumble. Marsha McGinnis over at uh, GoldenGateGeckos.com. And we look forward to seeing you at the next show.